Well, uh, you guys have a seat. Uh, we're, we're in a series, um, accidental as it may be to have become a series, but we're in a series that we're, we're calling Tune Up. We have, we have a, a good angelic pad behind me. And, and uh, in, this, in this Tune Up, uh, we are, uh, we're looking at things that like as, as Christians that we, uh, we, we, can, we can maybe tweak a little bit. What, what I think we see a lot is as I'm talking to people uh, in the, uh, that, that have questions or they're kind of in hard moments or maybe they have like faith questions, they want some counseling. What, what I tend to find in people isn't that they don't know the gospel yet. Like they know all the elements of the gospel and most of the times they're Christians and if I ask them, like, tell me about your salvation experience. It's legit. Like, there's no, I have no concern with their salvation. But then they say, well, things aren't firing quite right. And so, and so we're, we're looking at things that we can kind of tune up on. Like, if we, if we get back to the heart and the truth of the gospel and kind of preach it back to ourselves, then, then maybe uh, we, will, we will uncover something new. Maybe what it isn't, isn't that we need to follow or understand or be obedient to a new teaching. Maybe it is that we need to be obedient and follow like things that we've already known. Because for those of us who grew up in the church, there are things that were taught us at a younger age. And while they made a ton of sense back then and we lived in them, we're now in a different phase of life. And it, it takes work to know how to take the elements of the gospel, the things that we've learned, and apply it uh, back here. And so um, we, we had the, the first week, we just looked at like, what is the gospel? What does it mean to that, that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? What does it mean that the wages of sin is death? What does it mean that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? And, and at the end of that message, what I hope uh, you would have taken away from it, if, if not, then, then here you go. Go ahead and write this down. Uh, we need to be in the practice, Christians. Listen, we need to be in the practice of preaching the gospel to ourselves daily. That when we look in the mirror and we have shame and condemnation, we need to say to ourselves, no, that's not, that's not of God. That's of the enemy or my own mind. That's, that's, that's something wrong there. But, but the Lord says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so, and so we know the gospel so well that whenever angst or whenever fear, whenever anxiety, whenever whatever like crowds our head, we can preach the gospel to ourselves and like live in truth instead of that lie. And then last week we, we looked at this idea that, that love isn't optional. It's not, it's not an accidental uh, piece of the Christian faith. It is, it is mandatory that we love one another. That when Jesus gets to the end of his time with his friends and time is running out, he's about to go to the cross. He's like, I've got something important to tell you. I'm commanding you love each other the way that I've loved you. We should have in ourselves the capacity to love, but why? And we didn't say this last week. I'll, I'll put it out there right now. Why should we have the capacity to love? Why did Jesus wait until the end of his messaging uh, in order to talk about love? Well, it's because now that we've walked in truth and we've received the love of Christ in ourselves, we're walking in that gospel truth. There's therefore now no condemnation in me. I now can release my debts that I'm holding against others. I can forgive others. Why? Because I've been forgiven by so much and I can walk in love. You have, you have to kind of take it in, in sequence. What, what I want to look at today now, so we have, We've preached the gospel to ourselves, and we've talked about love. I want to look at just community. I just, I just want to, I just want to say that community has to be important. It has to be something that we fight for. I want to make a, a case for community, an argument for community, and then point to some things that you know uh, can help you in making decisions and how you build your community. You probably can tell by looking at me. I'm, 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 I'm. I'm 
I'm a bigger guy. And so I was really, really good at football. When, when I first started playing football, I was big and slow. I was big, strong, and slow. Uh, and so they put me on the line, and I could just plow through people. On top of being big, strong, and slow, I was also extremely angry, which is bad in the classroom, awesome on the football field, because it doesn't matter like how bad my day was. The worse my day was, the better I was on the field. I mean, in practice, I'm going 110%. I'm, I'm laying out people who like got the answer right on the English test that week, because you know what? You got what's coming to you, buddy. And so as an angry, strong, big guy, the coach would just always put me in, put me in. And after practicing for a while, I went from being uh, big and slow to big and fast. I became faster and faster. Uh, I, I was, I was uh, faster than the lineman, not as fast as like running backs and wide receivers. Y'all little skinny people, like that's amazing that you could do that. But I, I, could, I could outrun any of the linemen and keep up with any of the linebackers. So the coach put this angry, strong, a little bit quicker kid in as like a linebacker and as a bandit. And my job was to like, one, I had to know more about play calling because now, now that I'm on the side, if you don't know football, none of this is making sense to you. But now that I'm on the side, like if you're on the line, you just go after the guy with the ball, just keep going after the guy with the ball. It's so, so much fun. You, you don't have to know anything. You're just like, who has the ball? And then you chase him down and hurt him. Uh, now that I'm on the side though, sometimes I'm running this way. Sometimes I'm in cover two. Sometimes I'm in cover three. And something interesting happened to me. Um, I didn't, I didn't know what any of that meant. At no point do I remember anybody saying, Jesse, let me explain to you what cover one is. Let me explain to you what man coverage is. Let me explain to you what cover three means. Let me explain to you what it means to cover the flats. And they would just yell things like, I said cover two. And I, I remember uh, just being this guy who I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of in the back and, and every now and then I would do a thing and I'd get applause. And then the next play I'd do the exact same thing. And the coach was like, I said cover one. Like, I don't know what that means, Coach Mal. I don't, I don't know what you're saying. Turns out Coach Mal, uh, Mal is Spanish for bad. And I, I don't know. He, he was a good guy. Uh, he, pr- he probably meant, well, he probably thought he told me, in fact, if I had to be honest, he probably did tell me and I just, I just forgot. And I struggled uh, in that position uh, because I didn't understand the importance of asking questions. I didn't understand the importance of, oh, I, I, could, I can rely on my team. Like I could have in the huddle been like, okay, hey guys, like what does cover two mean? Because I know this is basic. I know I should know, but I don't know. What is it? What, do, oh, what does cover the flats mean? I never asked. I always believed that uh, just uh, I'd been successful never asking questions, just going as hard as I can to, to tackle people that that was going to be the path to success. I didn't know that in my circle were people that if I had just asked them, they would have given me the key, the most basic key, the key to unlocking success in that next phase. Now, when we look at community, when I look at the case for community, I think everybody agrees that like community is really, really important. I want to make the case that, that this is the solution to all of the problems that we've caused for ourselves by trying to go at life alone. We live in a culture here in America, we live in a culture that we value the lone like success story. This is why like uh, I was listening to some folks talk about Henry Ford on the way in. We celebrate Henry Ford because he's just this one guy who like plowed a new path. And you know, that's true enough. We celebrate people like Elon Musk because, because we just see this one man who's like, he's so independent and he just runs against everybody. But the truth is, is that success really ultimately isn't found in just running in one direction. An example of that, Elon Musk. Elon Musk lost, I don't know what the number was, like billions of dollars in worth because in his isolation, he made a comment on, on live TV and like his stocks plummeted as a result of it. He's like, oh, well, I'm going to go buy Twitter later. And, and he's just one guy and he has, he has, you know, all the blind spots of, of one guy. He's doing a great job, I think, but, but you, 
you, you, you may have bought into the lie that you were supposed to figure out how to mom by yourself. You were, you were supposed to figure out how to do your job by yourself. You were supposed to figure out how to be an independent, strong woman, strong man, and just like nothing phases me. And that sounds great, and that sounds like the American dream. It just doesn't work in the long term. Because every one of us in this room, we went through COVID, and we all, though we didn't know it, we found out how much we needed community after about, what, week one and a half? Like, we weren't even the full 14 days in to stop the curve or whatever. And and we were just like, I need to be around people. I'm going to lose my ever-loving mind. I mean, isolation is such a damaging, dangerous uh, uh, environment that it's used to torture spies to get all of their spy secrets out. You just stick a man in a room, a dark room by himself, and you leave him alone for a couple of weeks, it is a form of torture, and he will just spill his beans. Like, he'll just tell you everything. I think the Geneva Convention even outlawed us doing that. Like, it's, it, it is, isolation is being used as a weapon uh, is outlawed, and yet, you know, we live in a society that says, if you're going to be a strong man, you have to figure out how to do it by yourself. And I'm just going to tell you, it's a lie. It's a lie. And so much of scripture points against that. In fact, uh, I want to look at a few verses with you. Uh, if you have your Bible, I'm going to flip around a lot right at the beginning just to make a case. But, but community is not a light subject in the Bible. I think I could literally teach on community from every book of the New Testament and most of the Old Testament. There, there is a value given to people learning to live life together, to cohabitate in a, in a way that even your differences make you stronger. Uh, you're looking out for each other's blind spots. I can go to Proverbs. I can go to Psalms. I can look in some, some of the, the, the Pentateuch up, up at the beginning of the Bible. Uh, I just want to look at maybe four or five quick verses in the New Testament um, just to make the case. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'll start there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10. Uh, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Corinth is a, if, if you've ever been around a group of people uh, that 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 has just been dysfunctional. Then that's just a, a, a percentage of what Corinth is going through. Corinth can't figure anything out. They're as dysfunctional as can be. And he says in verse ten, he says, "I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree." And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and of the same judgment. I'm wanting you guys to get along and be of the same mind. If you're reading in your own Bible, we're not going to pull it up here, but the next few verses, he's like, listen, I've heard reports from this girl named Chloe. She's told me what you guys are doing. You guys are arguing about who baptized you. I'm so thankful I didn't baptize any of you, except for that one guy. And then it's almost like Paul kind of rambles. He's like, well, I baptized him and, and him. And I may have baptized some more people. I can't remember, but I'm so glad I didn't baptize all of you. Y'all are crazy. Stop arguing about who you're part of and who you're not. Uh, I want you to have unity to be of the same mind, to be of the same judgment. Turn to Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. That's to the right a little bit if you're, if you're following along in your Bible. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Again, this is Paul, and he says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, if, you, if you're caught like with a problem, you're caught in sin, you're caught in like, I've made a terrible mistake, what do I do? If you're caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Like our job is, as we're in community, when we see someone fall, a brother or sister fall, is not to kick them while they're down. That's the American way, right? Uh, it's to surround them. And those of us who are mature, those of us who are strong, then we restore them in a spirit of gentleness. And he says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Like, watch out, don't fall for the same trap. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
See, to bear one another's burdens is to say, like, you can't go it alone. It's the, you have burdens, and if you go it alone, you're bearing your own burdens, and you're just walking, and you're mad that nobody else is there to help you, but you're going you're gonna to show how strong you are, and you're going to get through life on your own, and you're going to figure out how to raise your kids on your own, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the, the model in Scripture is that we, when we see someone stumble, like, we're so close to them that we saw it happen, and we restore them in a spirit of gentleness. We're so close to them that when we see that it's a little bit too much for them to handle, we bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's like Paul is almost summing up the entire, like, what do we do on this side of heaven as we're waiting for, you know, the, uh, our entrance into heaven? Like, what do we do? We love each other. We build community that looks out for each other and we bear one another's burdens. Look at James all the way to the right, several books to the right, James chapter 5. Again, I, I don't usually teach just like popcorn verses, but I'm trying to make the case that this idea of community is in just about every book of the New Testament. James chapter 5, verse 16. James is, is wrapping up the end of his book, and he's kind of like, here's some closing thoughts, and based on everything I just said, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And then he adds this, like, here's why. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You know, we, there, we confess our sins to Jesus for forgiveness, but, but James is making the case that, like, being in community with each other and you, you, you have the transparency enough to confess your sins to another brother, another sister who also has their own sins, you confess that, that, that you're going to find healing as a result of that. Why? Because the, the prayers of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We need each other. We need to be real with each other. We need to be in community that whenever you look at someone and they look at you, you are seen and you are known, but you're not dismissed for your flaws. You're loved and welcome because they're, they're bearing your burdens with you. One, one more verse to popcorn real quick is uh, Hebrews to the left, uh, one book, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. I love hearing all the paper turning. This is, this is good. I hope you're underlining some things too. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. This is, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Here's a question. Uh, for those of us who tried the independent side, and I think, I think everybody here has tried at one point or another. How in the world can you stir up another person to good works if you're not around them? If you're not doing life with them? If you're not sitting in the same rooms with them from time to time? He says, he says, uh, Verse 24 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, capital D, the day drawing near. Uh, the author of Hebrews, uh, he, he's saying, as you see like the end of all things drawing near, the day in which the Lord returns, the day in which all judgment is going to, as you see that thing drawing near, you need to be surrounding yourself with more community, more faith, more believers. Here's, here's the alternate message in our, in our culture. Uh, we have all, all of our news people, all of our medias, man, the world's getting bad. It's, it, we're, we're about to tank this and, and we're running from each other. The message is because the world is getting so bad and because it's so dysfunctional, we need to like figure it out on our own. And, and the author of Hebrews is saying the exact opposite. He's saying, as you see the world fall apart around you, you need to gather together more, stir up each other and encourage each other to 
good works. And then uh, if you want to make a note for this, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, the entire chapter, uh, is just a, a, a case, an argument for the importance of community. Uh, in fact, this entire message was going to be out of Ephesians 4, but it turns out I've preached out of it twice in the last several months, and so, uh, you know, I'm not going to repeat myself. We're going we're gonna to look at some different things. And so uh, what I want to do uh, is, is to make a case for community, if, if it hasn't already been made, just, just in those little popcorn verses. I want to see some, some larger conversations about it. Um, we're going to look in two different books. Uh, and then after that, it'll take about 10, 10 minutes or so. Uh, and then after that, I just want to look at how community can be found here. Because what I really want to do is not just convince you that community is important. Um, I have enough people coming to me and telling me like how lonely they are. This epidemic of loneliness that is kind of surrounding our, our generation. I sat down with, uh, uh, five or six college students yesterday and I was like, why do you want to make a young adult small group? Like, why do you want to be a part of it? And all of them are like, it's just so lonely. It's so hard to make friends. And, then, and I'm like, I told them, I'm like, yeah, you're, you're 20, but that's not just because you're 20. I have 40 year olds who are telling me, I have 60 year olds who are telling me that, that, that I think everybody in this room already knew before I said that community was important. Um, but I, w- I want to make a, make some application towards the end. So turn, if you would, to 1 Peter. We'll s- spend a few moments in 1 Peter, uh, chapter 4. The author of Hebrews, he had ended, as you see the day coming, you know, like, like, uh, don't neglect gathering together because if you see the day is coming, then get together more. Uh, Peter, the author of 1 Peter, uh, he kind of picks up that same idea of the end of time. He says in chapter 4, verse 7, he says, the end of all things is at hand. The way Peter sees it, he's like, man, it's got to be pretty close. He says, therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Uh, this idea of being sober-minded, it, it has some, you know, like alcohol, substance abuse, like be sober-minded in that sense. But he also means that like, don't be, don't be consumed with fear and don't be consumed with anxiety. If you read the rest of 1 Peter, there, there's a lot about uh, a world that is in chaos, especially as it grows in chaos, that fear-mongering becomes a thing. And I think, I think we can all agree that our media is really good at making us anxious, making us worry about things that don't need to be worried about. And Peter's making the cases like, hey, be, be sober-minded, be self-controlled. Verse 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. As we see the world kind of collapse and fall apart around us, we, we tend to want to remove ourselves from people. We tend to distrust people. We're told, uh, and I've said this several weeks in a row now, we're told that we shouldn't trust that person who voted for that guy because this is the guy that everybody knows we're supposed to vote for over here. And you fill in the blank with whichever one I'm pointing at. And we're told because they voted for that person or because they believe on this part of this debate issue or this part of this debate issue, we need to cut ties with them, right? We need to unfriend them on Facebook. And we need to mute them and we need to shut them down. And, and Peter's saying, no, you, you've got it wrong. He says, he says, be, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Who cares if they're wrong? You know, we, we've been, we, our, uh, our Lord has loved us and covered a multitude of our sins, so much so that we now have the capacity to forgive other people of their sins. Show, verse 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Uh, the only thing that makes hospitality bad is grumbling hospitality. Has anybody, has anybody ever had to do that? Like, you, you have an in-law who, who came and they're just, they're there just a little bit longer. I, I just made eye contact with my in-laws. I'm so scared now. Uh, <laughs> golly. 
And, 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 and like they're just there. And at some point, you're just like being hospitable and grumbling at the same time. You're like, I'll get you a glass of lemonade, you know, and just like there's nothing good about that. You, you get no credit for being hospitable uh, for that. I've never done that to you, by the way, because uh, I don't have lemonade in my house. Uh, show, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Verse 10, as each has received a gift. Now pay attention to those. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now this, he says it in one quick sentence, but this is a mind-blowing truth. You, as a follower of Jesus Christ, at the moment of your salvation, receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has given you a gift, or gifts. I suppose it could be plural. Those gifts are unique to you, those gifts have seasoned your personality, probably came a little bit as an extension of your personality and things you were already naturally going to do. But because of the power of the Lord in you, you now have this gift. And, and when we live in isolation, we just like, we're walking around with a gift like, yay, I've got, I've got my gift. I'm going to do life by myself and I get my gift of fill in the blank. What is your gift? Some people have the gift of, of speaking and teaching. And so you just like stare in the mirror and you teach yourselves the best things you've ever heard. Some of you have the gift of music. These musicians up here, oh my gosh, can we just all agree that that worship was amazing? Yes. Could you imagine what it would be like if you're like, I don't care about a community. I'm going to sing in the shower as loud as I want. And, and you're just like walking down like past their house or something. You hear people like, please come out and share your gifts with me. Our gifts, the thing that the Lord has gifted you to do, has called you to do, is meant to be expressed inside a body of people, inside of a group of people who have different gifts and different talents than you. We cannot function as a church effectively, as effectively as we're called to, to accomplish the mission that God has called Carpenter's Way to do if the people of Carpenter's Way don't express their gifts inside the body. Just go read Ephesians 4. It makes this incredible argument about the, the purpose of gifts. And, and Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Your gift is meant for the per person next to you more than it is meant for you. Use it to serve one another as uh, good stewards. We're, we're managing God's varied grace. He, he gave you the gift so that you would manage it well. Verse 11, whoever speaks, this is one of the gifts Peter references, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Like don't, don't neglect, if you're a teacher or a speaker, don't neglect your ability to, to show up in someone's life and be like, you know, I, I just, it seems like this verse is kind of relevant for that. And here, here you go, you just you share it. Don't, don't waste your gift. Whoever serves, this is another gift that Peter references, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. There, there's so, so many tasks that need to be done as the church is, is moving forward. And we've had a few work days recently. And uh, just, just yesterday, the men's ministry was up here and they're like hanging TVs and fixing bird holes. We had a bird hole in this building. Uh, and and in, the, in the spring, birds will like get in the, in the air vents. It's wild. We had one, one time, uh, Pat, the, 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 if you don't know him, the, the pastor that was here before, he was in the middle of a sermon and a bird came out of that vent and like swooped over the crowd. It was majestic. Uh, <laughs> But we, it's because we had a hole in, uh, in, the, in the wall. So some of the men fixed that. Why? Because they have this gift of service. We, we had a, a group of guys that were just like, I, I got to do something with my hands. I might as well do it for the Lord. Serve by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified. We use our gifts in a body of people in order that by everything we're doing, God's being glorified, not us. We're meeting each other's needs. 
We're showing up in their lives. We're helping them move when they have to move. And we just sit with them when they're grieving that bad news that they got from the doctor. We're just like, I have no answers, but I can pray and I can cry too, buddy. And you just sit there. That, that's, that's what it means to be in community. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Like Peter knew what he did was a mic drop. So he's like, amen. Like he throws his own, in his own amen. That's, that's, always, that's always helpful. I need to do that. Uh, when I know I've said something important, I'm just going to walk off the stage. Uh, turn, turn, turn to Colossians 3. Uh, this will be our last passage. And I, uh, again, I said this, but I apologize for the popcorning. I usually like to teach out of one passage, but I'm wanting to make the case that community is just a key ingredient. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. We're back to our boy Paul. Paul wrote Colossians. He says in verse 12, Put on then as God's chosen ones. Did you know you were chosen, by the way? Yeah, yeah. He, he chose, that's, 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 why, that's why you have the grace to accept Jesus as Lord, because you were chosen. That's also in Ephesians. I love Ephesians. I need to teach through Ephesians one day. But, but it's God's chosen ones, holy and beloved compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. What are we supposed to put on? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. None of those are possible when we're isolated. Who are you going to be kind to? Yourself? Who are you going to be meek to? Like, oh, here, let me get the door for myself? No, <laughs> like, you, you can't. The, 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 the expressions of being God's chosen people demand, they're inherently demanding that we're in life with other people and that we're in community. It says in verse 13, bearing with one another. And some of you are like, you, you grit your teeth right now. You're like, yeah, I've been bearing with oh so-and-so for a few minutes now. And we bear, we bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, we forgive each other. You have a valid complaint. You know what? He kicked me in my knee. Okay, forgiving. All right. He, he, uh, he bit my head off this morning because we were running late. She, she was, she was you know, raising her voice at me as we were getting ready for church. We were arguing all the way into the driveway right now. And if I'm talking about you, I didn't know that. I'm not out in the parking lot. Forgive them. Bear with one another. It says, as the Lord has forgiven you. How should we forgive others? As the Lord has forgiven you. Really, really raises the bar on, on what the American idea of forgiving each other. I'll forgive you when you've earned it. Really? Uh, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Verse 14, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I, I love this. Uh, Paul Paul has, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 talks a lot about this, that, uh, and we, we mentioned a little bit last week, but, but if, if, you can, if you can learn to just love each other, you can overcome just about any speed bump in any community that you're going to have. Like love, love binds all things together. And so some people, they talk too much, but they have the spiritual gift of speaking. Well, if you love them, you're just like, oh, bless their heart. If you don't love them, you're like, will you shut your mouth? And then, then you're doing that gritting your teeth thing again. Uh, that, that if, if we just, if we live in the gospel truth and we preach the gospel to ourselves daily, and then are free to love people, and then we start to act in that way, and then we decide, I'm going to be in community. It doesn't matter how weird your community is. We're not talking about friendship, although friendship would be a great uh, outcome of community. We're talking about just being in gospel community with people that you're forgiven, I'm forgiven of a lot, both of us. Um, I'm, I'm going to bear with you. I'm going, to, I'm going to bear your burdens with you. And, and when, when you're my burden, I'm going to get this guy to help me bear this. And, and we're, we're going to, because love unifies it binds everything together in perfect harmony. Verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That one line, 
If, if I could just get every news station to be like, hey, we've got another war in the Middle East and there's an oil shortage and gas prices are doing this mortgage, but let the peace of Christ, like I, that message needs to be preached from every stage every week. Christ offers a peace and the world offers anxiety. And in this peace, we can find community and hope to be around each other. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. What's the body? It's just one. This idea that all these different churches are meeting on different corners competing with each other is a nonsense. It's one church, right? Uh, like we have different leaders and there are different, different styles and different even theological concerns, but we're not in competition with each other because there's one body. One day we're going to get to heaven uh, and we're going to hang out with people from that other church across this way and that church is by your house. And you know that one church that you used to go to, but now you don't go to anymore and there's just a little bitterness about that. Uh, you're going to get to heaven. They're going to be there too, okay? Uh, and, and we're going to love each other. Uh, I went, um, uh, anyway, uh, I, just a plug for uh, Morehouse Barbecue. I went to Morehouse Barbecue, and, and there's somebody from Carpenter's Way working there and somebody from Pathway Church. I said, this is what heaven's going to be like. You guys cooking? I want, I, want, I want you guys to be like at the first feast in heaven because they're just like hanging out with each other, wearing their opposing church shirts. Uh, it, was, it was so good. And, and they weren't fighting when I walked up because they love each other. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. We're not going to figure out how to do this without someone teaching us. And as we learn things and we teach each other that we need to teach the word of, of God to each other, but also singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. These, this music at the front isn't just meant to be entertainment. It's meant to be something that we participate in, that, that these musicians are leading us in songs and spiritual songs so that we, so that we grow. I, I can tell you, some of these songs are going to be ringing in my head for a little while. With thankfulness in your hearts to God, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Community is where we're going to grow in thankfulness. It's going to, where, it's going to be where your gifts were meant to be plugged into. You, you were, if you've been called to Carpenter's Way, your gifts are already being necessary to move Carpenter's Way in the direction the Lord has called us. We just haven't figured it out yet. So what I want to do uh, in the few minutes remaining is I want to look at uh, really four uh, kind of uh, practical, applicable things you can do to begin building community around yourself um, based on what we've just read. The first is this, uh, is find your church and commit to it. Now, I'm saying this in a church, Carpenter's Way, and, and some of you are like, you know what? I got a few other churches I want to try. Great. Try them. Uh, in fact, if you need help finding a church to try, I will recommend some to you. I have a list of them right out in the hall that you can just go, go try them. You can tell me what you want theologically out of a church or what you're needing geographically out of church, and I can probably tell you a good group of people to be there. But when you find your church, commit to it. Like get, get involved in that church. Support that church. Uh, uh, attend it regularly. Um, and that's not just like, oh, we want to have full seats or something like that. No, your attendance is your ability to get to know the people that, oh, you see them at, at HEB or Market Basket. You're like, oh, I go to church with you. That's so weird. I love, I love how you did that. Oh, I saw how you were working on that. I really, I want to be in that community group I saw that you're a part of. When you attend and you see each other, you, you build relationships. We worship and study together. Um, one, one of the tasks that I have, uh, and, and it kind of, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a heavy task, is, is I'm responsible for like the scope and sequence of teaching God's word. I could, uh, I could just like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna teach 
this today. You know, like we, we just like open up to random stuff and teach. But, but every church, this is true of every pastor, there's, there's a, a rhythm, a path that he's, he, he's wanting to bring his church through. And if you attend regularly and you study with that same church regularly, you're going to be on that same discipleship path as we go. There's going to be challenges and, and passages that like they're going, to, they're going to carry you through, and it's good to grow together with others. The same with worship. Uh, I don't know about you. I think, I think all but like two of you heard a new song today, right? Uh, that second song I've never heard before in my, in my life. Uh, I dig it. I'm going to go find it. I'm going to play it. Uh, we, we have grown together in that we had a, we had a moment. That song intersected with us in a moment because we were here in the same room at the same time. I would invite you also to be praying for your church and your church leaders if you don't already. I was listening to somebody talk about, uh, they, they had just started at a church and, uh, they were, they were talking about how good things were going and they were telling somebody else and this other person was just kind of look at them. Really kind of a, a, a grumpy old man and he said, yeah. That's, that's real cute. Uh, just wait until they stop praying for you. I was like, good Lord, <laughs> that's dark. He's, and he said, he said, yeah, your feelings about things are going to stop when, when your people stop, stop praying for you. Um, if you go to community groups, pray for your community group leaders. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not too ashamed to just ask, like, pray for me. Pray, pray for, pray for our staff. Pray for, pray for the children's pastor, the preschool pastor. Pray for Jason, the worship media pastor here. Pray for the leaders of this church. Pray for our elders that they would have good wisdom. I would invite you that as you commit to your church, that you're just lifting up the people of your church and the leaders of your church, uh, to be, to be wise and to, and to walk in truth. So find your church and commit to it. Uh, the second, uh, practical thing, uh, is to commit to participate in, in prayers with others. Uh, to, to pray for one another. Here at Carpenter's Way, um, we have, we have prayer circles. And I, that's really, I don't, I don't think we're the only church in the world that's ever done that, but I don't know a ton of churches that, that they gather together in, in prayer circles. After, uh, COVID, uh, or right as COVID was starting, uh, it, it became icky to like be near each other. I don't know if you remember that. Like if you, if you could see somebody, uh, and, and kind of count the number of ears on their head, they're too close and you're just like, get away. And so there was all this social distancing. We had to get away and, uh, we stopped doing prayer circles for a season because of health and different things. And as we were getting ready to bring back that kind of prayer gathering time, uh, there was a lot of like, well, you know, do we want it? Is it good? Is it, it really makes me uncomfortable. It really makes and we, we listened and kind of kind of pondered it. Elders were, were praying on it, and it, we kind of came to the conclusion that you know what, our kids they don't like eating their broccoli, but we forced them to. Why? Because it's good for them. And there are some things that are uncomfortable that are good for you. If if you're if you're not participating in the prayer circles, I would invite you to, to give it a try. If not, listen, I'm, this isn't a, because I always say you can social distance and I still stand by that. I invite you to, to listen. Like you're close enough to a prayer circle. Like you hear the prayers of the people next to you. There, there's something meaningful when in the middle of the week, it's Tuesday, it's Thursday. And you heard that prayer request and you're like, Oh yeah, yeah. Sally did have a, a hospital, you know, a doctor's appointment today on Thursday. I think it's about right now. And you just send that quick text. Hey, I'm praying for you. You have any idea the amount of anxiety that is just removed in that moment? Why? Because you were participating in the prayers of the people around you. We have uh, some text groups. I know, uh, I assume the women's ministry would or could, or, or maybe already does, but I know the men's ministry because I'm a man and I'm on, I'm on that one. Uh, every now and then there's something and it's like, hey, pray for, pray for Steve. Uh, I don't know if uh, that's not a real uh, prayer. Pray for Steve. He, he asked that we pray for this, and we just get this text. Like, all the men in Carpenter's Way are praying for Steve. Uh, 
I've even, I've even uh, had the idea of like having one, one group, uh, like a prayer ministry, that as prayer cards come in, I can anonymize it, and I can send those prayers out. I, nobody's ever asked for that, but if, if we have a, a, a number of people that are interested in that, we could, we could certainly do that. But, but find your church, commit to it, commit to participating in the prayers with others. It's, it's, it's a vital part of community. And then, and then three is invest your gifts. Invest, invest your gifts in your church and in your community and find, find a way to use your, your talents and your personality, your, your spiritual gifts. They have a purpose and that purpose, according to Ephesians 4 and some of what we read today, is to build each other up. They're not meant to impress other people. They're not even really meant for you to use like on your resume to land that really sweet job. You can, you could, like I have the gift of, you know, administration. Well, okay, great. But then also use that in your uh, community and in your church. As, as you're using your gifts, I would invite you to, to consider finding your ministry or your calling even. Um, some of us, some of us, we have jobs. Most of us, we have jobs outside of like churchy stuff. And that, that helps pay the bills, but your calling, your ministry is to be the small group leader of, you know, third graders or something. I don't, I don't know. Um, that as you explore your community, as you, as you talk about the things that are, are, your heart is hungry for, as you talk about the things that are breaking your heart, that you've been having empathy and compassion for, and you have no idea why you've been, you've been pondering that for so long, I would invite you to talk to some leaders around you and talk to your group and just let them know what's on your heart. And in so doing, you may find your ministry. If you have a question about like ministry opportunities here at Carpenter's Way, you can go to uh, uh, our website and there's a little button at the top that says find your ministry. And then uh, financial gifts. Uh, one, one of the things about being a follower of Jesus is that uh, followers of Jesus realize that all their things have been given to them by God, and that makes them a gift. If uh, And it makes me really icky talking about tithing and offering. I just, I've seen it done wrongly so many times. And so if this makes you uncomfortable, I'm not talking to you. But, but some of us, like as we commit to our church, as we commit to our group of people, then, then we need to know it's time for us to start giving, tithing, making offerings so that, so that the youth ministry can bring more kids to camp and have more room in here so that the children's ministry can, can function so that we can, you know, take care of the, the building. And, and it's, uh, when, when someone comes to our door, this happens once a week, comes to our door like, Hey, uh, I need some help. Uh, my kids are hungry. Can you help me with groceries? There's no hesitation. It is so easy to help somebody. Why? Because of the gifts and offerings that have already happened, right? It, it empowers us to serve in that way. The last is this, uh, convert your rows into circles. Um, one, of, one of the first things in finding a church and finding your community is to join on a Sunday morning. But notice we're in rows. Uh, and rows are great for hearing one person talk, but this is a monologue uh, until we get a little bit more charismatic and then you'll start yelling things at me and that's okay. Uh, I, can, I can stay focused. Um, but at some point you want to convert this row that you're sitting on to a circle because life happens better when you're, when you're in face to face contact with a group of people. Um, I would invite you to check out community groups. Uh, if you, if you haven't already, there's some information about upcoming community groups in the outpost right now. Uh, we have Converge coming up on September 7th. So if you're just like, I want to shop community groups for a second, or I'm already going to go to a community group. I just want the free meal that we're going to get. Come on September 7th. We'll feed you. We'll have a celebration. And it's a chance for you to maybe for the first time in your life, say, I'm going to join a group. I'm going to get into a circle and just see what this is all about. See, see what, what the Lord might be talking about. It's a chance for people to discuss God's word together. Again, this is a monologue. 
nobody in here raised their hand with a question yet, right? We, we had baptism last week. We had a kid the whole time. He had a question, and I, just, I never called on him. I feel so bad about that. Uh, but, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't notice. In, in a circle, you can be like, hey, slow down on that Noah thing. Um, how did he get the animals on there? I used to ask my Sunday school teacher when I was first learning about it, like, are you sure there's two animals? I, th- I, th- I, think you might, I think you might be exaggerating. Like, I had a ton of questions about random things. But being in community is a chance for you to discuss this. And then the last is this. Uh, is that it's, it's a way to build insurance against your life going sideways. And I, and I know like you, you have an objection to that right away. You're telling me, Jesse, that if I get into a circle, if I get into a community, whether it's a community group or just another group of believers that, that you know, that you're telling me that I'm not going to have life go bad on me? No, I'm not. I'm telling you you're going to have insurance against life going bad. In the same way I had flood insurance, didn't stop my house from getting wet, but it sure did make getting it dry a whole lot easier. When, you, when you're in, in a circle of people, when you've done the hard work to be in a community, to grow in that community, and to invest your gifts and time in that community, when your life goes sideways, not, not if your life goes sideways, because trauma is coming at all of us, when your life goes sideways, you've got people who are bearing your burdens with you. They're surrounding you. One of the scariest places to be in a, in a church setting is, is isolated and, and, and scared. And when life goes sideways, nobody knows that it is. Nobody knows that your kid is going through that. Nobody knows that you got that call from your doctor and we can't reach out. We can't pray for you. Your church, listen, wants terribly to love you, wants to be there for you. And the only way you can ensure that they are able to do that is to, is to commit to being in a community. Let me pray uh, for you. Uh, I hope that you would, you, you, you do the hard work. It, and it's not easy. Can we just be honest? It's not easy. I hope that you do the hard work of fighting and finding uh, your community. If you have questions uh, or if we can help, let us, let us know. Let me pray and we'll watch the queue together. Uh, Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for uh, the body of people that you surround us with every Sunday. Um, Lord, it's, it's so good to be in a room with other people who, who love you and know you, who are growing to know you more. Um, help us, help us to treasure that. Help us to relish that. But Lord, also help us to be, uh, active in our communities. Help us, help us grow in our community. Um, the more we see the, the, the final days approaching, the more chaotic this world gets. Lord, help us, help us to double down on our community, uh, to, to, to be with each other, to, to, to admonish one another, to encourage one another, to show up in each other's lives as life goes hard, and then and then in return also receive that. Whenever life goes hard for us, we would we would give them the gift of the opportunity to show up. Um, Lord, we we ask for your help in that because loneliness is awful, isolation is damaging, and um, and we need help. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.